What's up, everybody? My name is Adam Badger, and welcome to Talkin' Fit. All right, guys. Well, thank you for hopping on, those of you who are here. Um, if you are watching the recording, I appreciate you watching the recording. I know that listening to me talk about stuff over and over and over again may sometimes get uh, overwhelming or or uh, maybe you hear some things repeated. But anytime you hear me repeat anything, I'm sorry, I'm just watching people as they're hopping on, just making sure that their mics are muted. The things that you hear me repeat over and over and over again, uh, they're not just because I like to hear myself talk. It's because a lot of coaching is just hammering down the same kind of core principles over and over and over again until people uh, really just implement them into their lives and change their kind of core beliefs around them, their core behaviors. And that's when we really start to see the best results. So there's people on this call who are one-on-one clients of mine. There's people who are in the uh, the eight-week programs that I'm running right now. Uh, across the board, a lot of us are being taught, learning, or uh, working on pretty much the same principles, but we all have our own individual life, life circumstances, self-limiting beliefs that are kind of standing in our way. So that's why I like to really engage people and have them ask questions, because I, I find that if you have a question, if you have a hurdle, there's a chance, a very high chance that someone else is experiencing the same thing. So uh, if you do have a question that you want to go over on the call tonight, definitely let me know. Feel free to drop it in the chat box or uh, just drop a one in the chat box and I can then unmute you and you can ask it. I have a few questions lined up from people who drop, drop them in the Facebook group and people who just uh, DM'd me. So I'm going to go through those first. Uh, we have some good questions on sleep, good questions on training, some good nutrition questions as well. So I'm going to run through them. Uh, I'll answer them. Uh, and if you ha guys have follow-up questions, just let me know. All right. So first question uh, is a nutrition question that Chelsea asked. She said that she's been doing uh, the bone broth that I recommend uh, in the morning. Uh, she works out in the morning and she does the bone broth prior to the workout uh, just way she's not working out on an empty stomach. And she's wondering, is it okay to not be eating breakfast before a workout? So there's, there's a difference between like optimal and practical. And I like to go over that with every single question. There's like the optimal way to do things. And then there's like, what's practical, practical for the person. Now, ideally you would be eating something before you work out especially if you're someone who works out in the morning, it's the first thing that you do. Um, in an ideal world, I would like to see you eat something prior to working out. Now, that's not always practical for a lot of people because like, let's say I know Chelsea, she works out pretty early in the morning. So if she's working out at say like 5 a.m., for her to get up you know, an extra 30 minutes earlier than she normally does, may not be doable for her. But I think that having some sort of protein and carb prior to your morning workout is very, very beneficial. It's going to give you some energy to burn off of during the workouts. It's We want to start to look at workouts uh, more for the adaptation that they're causing, not just as a way to burn calories. So I had this conversation with someone else today. Your workouts are not just just to check the box, just to go to the gym and say, I moved around. Is there benefit to that? Yeah, of course, it's better than doing nothing. But if you actually want results from your workouts, you want your body to change, you need to train. 
And there's a difference between training and exercising. And a lot of people have been exercising for a while and they've never actually trained. They're either kind of just going to group classes and kind of moving around and breaking a sweat or they're working on their own, but they don't really stick to a similar, uh, uh, like a, a structured program. So we want to get into the mindset of we are training for a goal. We are trying to actually get our body to change. And that requires having some energy to put into your workouts so that you can beat last week's weight, so that you can get more reps than you did the week before, so you can push your sets closer to fatigue. And that requires energy. So the most important thing that you want to focus on, just to answer Chelsea's question directly, the most important thing is your total calories and protein for the day. As long as that's getting met, it's going to cover you for about 80 to 90% of the results you want. But getting in some protein and carbs prior to your workout will help you get a better workout, which will help get that extra 10, 15% of results that most people are looking for. So the, sorry guys, I'm just letting people in. I'm just making sure that no one's uh, background is on. Uh, so to answer Chelsea's question directly, if you're doing the bone broth before the workout, I would just recommend having a carb with that. Uh, when I work out early in the morning, and it's the first thing that I do a good kind of quick protein carb mix for me is I do the bone broth, uh, which is about 10 grams of protein. And then I'll do like either a half a cup or a full cup of just organic orange juice. That's going to get you about 15 to 25 grams of carbs. Obviously, you don't have to mix them, drink them separately. But if you drink the bone broth first to get the protein in your system and you drink the orange juice, you do that about 30 to 60 minutes before your workout, you're going to notice you're going to have a much better workout that day than if you had worked out on an empty stomach. So you don't have to eat a big balance, big breakfast before your workout. But I would say have some sort of easy digestible protein and carb 30 to 60 minutes prior to your workout. You're going to notice you get a better workout from that. Uh, her, her next question was training. This is probably, this is a really good question. I'm sure other people have, is it better to do more reps at a lower weight or few, fewer reps at a higher weight? For example, if she increases her presses, say chest presses to 35 pounds and she can only do eight reps versus staying at 30 pounds and getting 10 reps or does it matter this is a really good question so again like always guys i just want to give you like more information on this there is not one that's better or worse especially when the rep count is that close like we're talking about eight reps versus 10 reps it's not going to make a huge difference what does matter is how close you're getting to fatigue now I went I went over this um on a call last uh, the last call we had the more the most important part is that you're pushing the set close to failure. When you increase your weights, you do not have to increase your weights for every single set. So in Chelsea's circumstance right now, let's say she's doing chest presses and the the program says you're going to do three sets of eight to 10 reps. She's kind of asking, is it better to do 30 pounds for 10 reps or 35 pounds for eight reps? Neither is better or worse. What I would recommend doing is if you know you can get 30 pounds for 10 reps, 
you would do 30 pounds for 10 reps on that first set. Then the second set, bump it up to the 35s and see where you land. Let's say you get eight reps. Now for the third set, let's say you try the 35s again, and now you only get six reps. So at the end of this workout, you now did 10 reps at 30 pounds, eight reps at 35 pounds, and eight rep and six reps at 35 pounds. And all of that is logged in the app for you. Next week, you now have three opportunities to progress. So the next week, you could do your first set at 35 pounds, and maybe you get eight, and then you do your next set of 35 pounds, maybe you get eight, and then you do it for a third set, and you only get seven, right? You now increased your weight on the first set, you matched your weight on the second set, and you did one more rep on the third set than you did last week, so you still progressed. So if this isn't making sense, let me know, but the more important part is the intensity. Don't just play it safe and go, well, I know I can do this for 10, so I'm going to do this for 10. That's getting married to the rep count and not married to the intensity. Focus more on that, those last two reps. You should feel like questionable, like, oh man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this and you should have to push through it. That's how you get results. So it's not better to do 10 reps or better to do eight reps. They will produce the same result as long as the intensity is the same. So I hope that makes sense. As long as the eighth rep with 35 pounds feels really difficult or the 10th rep with 35 or the 10th rep with 30 pounds feels really difficult, that's what gets you the result. It's not the rep count itself. It's the intensity behind the rep count. So a good rule of thumb is, unless it's otherwise noted, if you can do a weight for more than 10 reps, you should probably increase it. If you can't even get six reps, you should probably stay at that weight until you can get eight reps and then eight to 10 reps and then increase it. So I hope that answers your question, question, Chelsea. She's not on the call, but um, I know she'll probably watch this recording. Uh, Ashley had a question about sleep. She said she doesn't usually have an issue with sleep, but when she does have an issue with sleep, it's 100%. She 100% knows it's either from food or alcohol related. What foods should she avoid for better sleep? So this is a very nuanced question, okay? It really depends on the person because it depends on what like what affects you in certain ways. So for example, if someone's like lactose intolerant and they eat a bowl of ice cream before bed, they're probably gonna have not a great night's sleep as opposed to someone who's not lactose intolerant. So first thing would be taking a look at like, are you eating anything that's not agreeing with you? But more broad stroke, there are some kind of good rules of thumb to go by when it comes to the relationship between food and sleep. So first off is going to be, you guys probably guessed it, making sure that your total nutrition, you know, uh, foundations are met, that you, you're eating balanced meals throughout the day, you're getting enough calories, and you're getting enough protein. That's step one. Most people in a the world are just not doing that. So it's getting enough calories, getting enough protein, eating enough balanced meals throughout the day. Um, if you're doing that, you have a better chance of getting better sleep. Uh, eating a bedtime snack, a light bedtime snack that is protein and carb focused will help you get a better night's sleep. A lot of times people are going to bed 
just undernourished and it throws off your blood sugar. So then you're waking up in the middle of the night because your body's like, oh, we need, we need glycogen. Like we're depleted. So what helps me a lot is after dinner, probably about uh, like 60 to 90 minutes before bed, I'll have like a Greek yogurt with some fruit, like something small that is protein and carb, easy to digest before bed helps me get a better night's sleep. If I go to bed and I'm feeling pretty hungry, I know I'm probably not going to get a gr- as good of a night's sleep. So I like to eat something before bed just to put my body in a more balanced space and I can have a better night's sleep. On the other side of that, overeating before bed is also going to help is also not going to get you a great night's sleep. So if you're someone who's like snacking on chips or cookies or or eating just like straight sugar at night, it's not like carbs are bad or sugar is bad or that eating at night is going to make you fat or anything like that. But if you're eating food that's like hard to digest, if you're eating like a, a bunch of snacks at night, your body's going to be trying to digest that food while it's sleeping. It's also harder to digest that food. It's not going to be a great recipe for, for sleep. So another one is also alcohol. Alcohol just across the board does is going to fuck with your sleep. It's just going to, it's just not going to give you a good night's sleep. If you have a couple of drinks before bed, you'll notice that you probably don't sleep as well or don't feel as well rested those mornings as opposed to when you're not drinking. So for Ashley's situation, she says she knows it's 100% food or alcohol related. I would probably ask Ashley like, well, how do you know that? And what specifically, what foods specifically are doing that and like how often are you having alcohol and i know ashley she used to be a one-on-one client she doesn't drink very often um so i'm assuming this is like a couple once or twice a week she notices on those nights she's not sleeping as well now it's just a matter of okay i understand the cause and the effect am i willing to change that behavior so just to kind of wrap that up some keys on you know getting better sleep uh, avoiding alcohol most nights for most people, you know, there's not saying that alcohol is bad for you. Yes, you can still lose weight and drink alcohol. That's totally fine. But at the end of the day, it's not something that's healthy for you. It's something that we know is not healthy that we choose to partake in once in a while because it's okay to live a little bit. But if like, if you're having like a a couple of drinks before bed every night, like that's probably going to fuck with your sleep. Um, If you're going to bed, and you haven't met your protein or calorie goals, or there's been a big stretch of time, like let's say you eat dinner at 6 p.m. and you go to bed at uh, 10 p.m., that's a long period of time between your last meal and bedtime, and then you're not eating your first meal till you wake up. Going that long without food is going to mess with your sleep because, again, it's going to throw off your blood sugar. So I would say having that bedtime protein, carb focused snack would help a lot with most people. So trying to, you know, moderate the drinking, trying to eat a protein carb balanced snack and not, you know, over and overdoing it with food at night is going to help you get a better night's sleep. Another big one too, is uh, paying attention to your caffeine intake throughout the day. So I would say after like 12 PM in the afternoon, like any coffee or caffeine you have after 12 p.m. is probably going to mess with your sleep a little bit. So like I know for me, um, I'm like 
a one cup of coffee a day person. And that's not because like, I want that. There's many, many afternoons, including today where like, it's like noon or 1 PM. And I'm like, I could really go for a second cup of coffee right now. Like I'm, I'm kind of dragging, but I just know that like, I don't want to be drinking that much caffeine throughout the day. So I would say another one is moderating caffeine intake. So to give you guys some takeaways, moderate caffeine intake after 12 PM, try to have a bedtime snack that's protein carb focused, like with, you know, about 60 to 90 minutes before bed, something healthy, that's easy to digest. Um, and then, you know, moderating alcohol, because again, not alcohol is going to mess with sleep. Um, next question we had from Sheila. So she said that her biggest hurdle right now has been stress. Um, it's not about being perfect, but she's like, but when I make multiple bad decisions, it's tough to feel good about myself. So then it turns to negative self-talk. So she said, for me, when it happens, I do try to break the day up and think about it in sections. So if I made poor choices earlier on, I don't waste the whole day. I don't waste the whole day away. I just say, okay, I'm going to make better choices for the remainder of the day. And that's how I've been combating it. But I'm not going to lie when I say I have had some rough days over the last week um, that they've been rough. So Sheila, thank you, first of all, for, for sharing that. Um, I appreciate you being open and honest and like vulnerable. And that, that, that really helps me help you. So I think that stress, we talked about this. I actually just talked about this. Um, uh, if any of you guys listen to it on my podcast this week, I did a whole podcast on stress. So if you want to listen to that, let me know. I can send you the link, but stress is probably the underlying killer of all health improvements that people want to make. Cause there's like work stress, there's life stress, there's digestive stress, there's physical stress. Like we're just surrounded by stress and stress isn't always a bad thing. Like we need a little bit of stress in our life to build res mental resilience, to build physical uh, changes in our body, like workouts type of stress. But when we get into this stressed state where it leads to poor decision-making um, what I, I actually just had to talk about this today with a client and I was talking to her about, think of like, uh, stress and anxiety as like a smoke alarm in your house, right? When it goes off, it's letting you know that there's a fire. The problem isn't the smoke alarm. The problem is the fire, right? So if you just go shut off the smoke alarm or you go take the batteries out of the smoke alarm because it's annoying, it doesn't fix the problem, which is the fire. So for a lot of people, we're stressed out. And then we try to numb the stress with comforting behaviors. So for some people, that's food. For some people, that's TV. For some people, that's alcohol. Um, we just try to numb those behaviors with distractions. Uh, so for what my coaching on this question would be is that you're right. First off, we have to identify what's causing the stress and is your reaction to the stress actually helping you de-stress or is it just a way for you to numb and distract from dealing with the stress? And those are two different things. The example I used today with my client who I was talking to was that for me, I used to, when I was like, and I still get, I still get stressed out a ton, you know, but um, when I was like in like the second year of building my business and figuring out how to work for myself, I, my stress was like, 
like in in the red. It was like next level red. And then it was like other stuff going on in life that was stressing me out too. So I would do the, as a coach, as a nutrition coach and personal trainer who knows all this stuff, I still was skipping breakfast. I was going long hours without eating. My workouts weren't feeling great. I was losing muscle. And then I was, you know, going out to eat or ordering out because I was like, oh, I haven't eaten all day. And then like we would have drinks on Friday night and then I would have drinks on Saturday night and then I would have drinks on Sunday night. And then I wake up Monday morning not feeling great. And I repeat the cycle because I was just trying to numb the stress of having my own fitness and nutrition business. And I'm saying that to you guys just to be totally vulnerable. Like I was teaching other people how to build a healthy lifestyle. And I myself was still only hitting my bare minimums. I was just still like getting workouts in and having protein at each meal. But beyond that, like I just wasn't hitting these, these nutrition guidelines that I was helping people build because I was so stressed out that I just needed to just like not feel that stress. And for me, it was like, I would go out to eat with my wife and like we would go out to dinner and have a couple of drinks and, and order food. So I get it. I get how that can be a fun distraction from the stress. Or we would like binge watch Netflix on the weekend. And I remember there was many weekends where like they're very good memories of mine. Like I enjoyed that time with her and we would just like watch TV and like, you know, order out food. And it, it was a lot of fun. But at the core of it, I was also just trying to distract myself from the stress that I wasn't confronting. And my realization was that in those moments, the thing that was actually distressing me, that de-stressing me, the thing that was actually helping me cope wasn't food, wasn't having a couple of drinks. It was spending time relaxing with my wife. So I don't need to eat 2000 calories to enjoy time with my wife. I don't need to have three drinks to enjoy time with her. I needed the time. So you have to start identifying what is the actual choice or behavior or action that's actually helping you process stress to feel better versus numbing. What's going to put out the fire versus what's taking the batteries out of the smoke alarm. And for a lot of us, when we're stressed out, we order out food or some people drink alcohol or some people smoke cigarettes, whatever it is, like they, or they, they binge watch TV. That's not making you feel better. That's distracting you and numbing you so you don't have to deal with it. But eventually we have to deal with it. So my advice to you would be all these like quote unquote bad decisions that you're talking about, actually confront them and be like, first, A, is it even a bad decision? Because that's another thing too, is people make these decisions and then they automatically categorize them as bad because maybe they weren't healthy. Sometimes it's okay to do that. If you're stressed out and maybe going out to get your to your favorite pizza spot and getting a slice of pizza with your husband or your best friend and having a beer is going to help you, you know, feel better. That's totally fine. That's not a bad decision. We just have to confront like, okay, what am I, what is putting out the fire versus what is taking the batteries out of the smoke alarm? So kind of do some inventory. And this goes for all you guys. When you're dealing with stress and you're making poor choices or that you feel are poor choices, ask yourself, am I doing this to numb and distract or am I doing this because this actually makes me feel better? Again, going out for drinks Going out for a drink with your best friend or your partner 
as a way to de-stress from the week. There's nothing wrong with that. But the de-stressor is going to the place, ordering a drink, having a conversation, maybe processing through some emotions, talking some stuff out, getting a second opinion, actually coming up with a solution to the problem versus having five drinks and getting obliterated just to distract yourself. And then the next day, feeling like crap, skipping breakfast, ordering out for lunch, and then you just it starts this cycle. Same thing with food, right? There's nothing wrong with, okay, hey, I don't feel like cooking tonight. It's been a really stressful week. I'm gonna let's just like let's order out and I just need like a night where we just kind of chill. That's cool. It's the chilling out and the not having to cook that's calming you. We don't need to eat 1700 calories in that meal to feel better. Once we're once we're going hard on like the food or the alcohol like that, that's because we're trying to numb. We have to actually articulate what is the behavior that calms me and helps me process that stress. And most times it's not the this, the poor decision, the bad decision. It's like the 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 environment you're putting yourself in or or the the conversation that you're having. So uh, that would be my advice to you on that one. Um, I hope that's helpful. If if it if it sounds like BS to everyone, let me know. But that's what's really helped me and my clients a lot for lately is just really focusing on like actually processing what's going on and identifying what's helping me process this versus what am I just using to distract myself and numb. Uh, got a couple more questions, then we'll take some questions if anyone if anything else has popped up while you guys are on here. Um, Another question I had was, uh, though I my goal wasn't to lose weight, I've lost seven pounds, uh, and, but she's stuck at this point. So, what's like basically like what um she wants her goal wasn't to lose weight, but she's lost weight, but feels stuck right now. So first off, what I would say is, um, by the way, guys, this is actually my mom asking this question. So my mom did my free two week challenge. She's now doing my eight week program and she's seeing great results. So I'm very proud of her, very happy for her. Um, so she's lost seven pounds in four weeks because she did a two week challenge with me and now she's in an eight week program. We're two weeks into that. So my advice to you, and this goes to everyone, is seven pounds in four weeks is actually a lot. A, an average uh, rate of weight loss is like z half a pound to a pound a week. So you're above a pound a week, which means that eventually things are going to plateau a bit, but it's just so you can even out. Um, so what I would say is my number one piece of advice is just stay consistent with what's been working. Um, she did also say that, you know, she feels like she needs to maybe get a little bit better about her food choices because she's she's made a lot of improvements, but she kind of sees what other people are posting in the Facebook group and maybe feels like other people are just way more creative and have better balanced meals. So I would say that's a realistic thing to do. And you also haven't started doing um, like the workouts yet. So I think we we've this is a great way to go about things. The way you're doing things is you're you worked on one habit first. And most people don't have the patience to do this, right? They're just like, I want to tackle everything at once. You worked out, you worked on one habit first. You've got the food down, you've gotten the steps down, you're doing more walks and you're down seven pounds. Awesome. So what I would do is pick the next thing that you want to work on. Do you want to work on maybe having more balanced meals throughout the day? Maybe that's the next thing. Or maybe the, the next thing would be trying the workouts. Either one of those things are probably going to push you past 
this plateau, which by the way, isn't even a plateau. It's just, it's going to steady out eventually for everybody. My advice would be this week, try to find the time to work out. I think for most people, we all have the time to do it. It's just, we have to actually make it a priority and we have to really understand how, like a realistic idea of what we need to invest in that, in that uh, priority. So for example, we don't need to work out for an hour, four days a week. If you're just starting out, you could do 30 minutes twice a week and just start there. So look at your entire week and go, can I find 30 minutes on two days this week to go to the gym and do a 30 minute workout? My guess is you probably will. To give you a personal example, today, not that you guys care, but today, I my day started at 3.45 a.m. Ate breakfast, got right on the laptop, started doing work, you know, working from the laptop for two hours. Then I had two in-person clients. Then I had like four back-to-back calls. Then I had to pick up my son, bring my son home, had another call, then was doing some more work, like doing some content stuff. My plan was to work out at 2 p.m. And I had to leave my house at 3.45 p.m. to go run a group boot camp that I do um, a corporate wellness thing. And then I have this tonight. So 2 PM to 3 45 PM. I was like, okay, I can get 60 minutes to work out. And then I can get 45 minutes to maybe breathe, eat something, and then go to, uh, do my boot camp. My wife gets an emergency call from one of her clients. I have to go put my son down for a nap that gets thrown for loop. Now it's 3 PM and I have to leave at 3 45. Every instinct in my body was like, you only have 45 minutes. It's going to be super rushed. It's going to be a crappy workout. Just maybe we'll, maybe you'll do it tonight. Maybe I'll do it at 8 PM tonight after the call. I'll, or maybe I'll just skip today. Like I have all the same thoughts that everyone else does, but I said, Nope, you're going to go in the garage and do it. And whatever you get done, you get done. So I did a 35 minute workout. That wasn't the optimal workout for me that day, but I did something. I got it done. I lifted a little bit heavier than I did last week. I could check that box today and I felt way better after I did it. So we don't always need it to be perfect. We don't even need to finish the entire workout. Sometimes we just need to make it a priority. If you can work out 30 minutes, think about this 30 minutes, three times a week, right? That's 90 minutes a week. We are awake for Let's say I want to do some math real quick, just because I don't want to mess this up. Let's say, on, let's say in a perfect world, we're getting eight hours of sleep. That means we're awake for 16 hours uh, a day times seven. That's 112 hours a week that we're awake. We have to find 90 minutes to work out. So don't tell me that we can't find 90 minutes out of 112 hours a week. And that's even if you if you work a full time job and you're working let's say fifty hours a week, that's still sixty two hours a week that we have. Can we find ninety minutes? Can we find two hours total throughout spread out throughout the whole week? That one quote, my current client Mike, he's sixty four years old. I posted that quote on Instagram in January, and it said. You have 112 hours that you're awake throughout the week. You all you need is three hours of that total. And I was I was highballing it. Three hours of that total throughout the whole week to invest in your health and fitness, and you could see results. He was like, that makes sense. 
He signed up for coaching. He's down 30 pounds. He's doing phenomenal at 64 because he that one quote, he just totally reframed it for him, right? It doesn't have to be perfect. You just got to get it done. All right. One more question is, uh, Kaylin asked about sleep. Uh, she said that she's having, you know, uh, more energy and she, you know, she feels really good, but she said, um, I found over the last couple of weeks that she doesn't feel as tired. She has more energy, but she is waking up more during the night. Is there something that she's doing, uh, missing in her diet or inadvertently doing that would account for that change? Now, I would have to talk to her more one-on-one -on -one to, to learn a little bit more. But I would say if you have more energy throughout the day, you don't feel as tired, but you're not sleeping as much, it may be that you're just maybe you just feel a little bit more awake. That could be it. I would say it's probably likely just knowing her and the conversations we've had, it's probably likely that we're not hitting our nutrition foundations throughout the day. Like we're maybe not eating enough nutrients throughout the day. So it's kind of throwing off uh, that, that sleep pattern, that blood sugar. So for her, I would probably recommend trying that bedtime snack that we talked about earlier. Um, I think that'll fill in some gaps, but we'll probably need to have a conversation one-on-one -on -one to learn a little bit more about what you're dealing with. Now, I know that for 36 minutes, I've been talking and I appreciate all of you guys listening. Does anyone have any questions that they either brought to the call or that popped up while I was talking? If so, feel free to just drop a one in the chat box um, and let me know and then I'll, I can unmute you. No one's got nothing? Everyone's everyone's killing it. All right. Well then I'm here we go. You can go ahead and unmute. Hi, everyone. Hi. I just was wondering on hours of sleep. Uh-huh. What is recommended? So I think I know you hear the average eight hours, but is that realistic? Especially in as you know, in my case. I think that it is realistic. You just have to prioritize it. Um, I would say anywhere between seven and nine is probably good. Um, what I would start with is how much do you get now? And how and can you increase that? So like, I've had clients who are like, um, I only get six hours of sleep. Right. And then we get them to get seven hours of sleep and they feel way better. So I think it's going to be at first figuring out like, what can you, can, what can you increase? And I would say for most people, honestly, I know myself, I don't get eight hours of sleep every night. I would love to, I would love to get eight or nine hours, but like it, it, it isn't something that I'm able to do because I do have a son and, you know, and, and a lot of stuff, but I will say that like, even to the point of annoying my son and wife, I make sure that I'm in, I get like seven to seven to seven and a half hours. Like, like if it means we got to go to bed earlier, we got to shut things down a little earlier. Like it just is a priority or else like I'm not going to feel great. So I think for most of us, there's probably logical valid reasons why it's difficult, but it just needs to become something that's like a priority. It's got to be like, okay, do I understand the benefit of this? And can I improve it a bit? So what I would say is, uh, for some clients, what works is to kind of like bookend it. So go to bed 30 minutes earlier, wake up 30 minutes later for some, 
for some people, it's like, let's just start going to bed a little earlier. Does any of that sound like something that you could try or? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Where do you, where do you feel like for you? Like, do you know, like what you currently get? I would say between five and six. Okay. It's it's choppy. It's not. And is that because you're waking up during the middle of the night or is that because you're going to bed late? Um, I I go to bed about 11. Okay. And it's just choppy from there on in. I mean, I, I don't have a problem falling asleep. I have a problem staying asleep. Okay. So that could definitely be that nighttime snack thing. Like, so for you, uh, you know, if you don't mind me asking, so like if you're going to bed at 11 PM, let's say you're eating dinner at is 7 PM a valid time or is that late early? Well, that's yeah. It's between I'd say five and seven. Okay. So, so if we're going like, you know, five to seven hours, not eating and you're, you're already someone who, whose tendency is to under eat throughout the day. Like it's probably your body just like telling you like, we're not eating enough. It's blood sugar related. And then like, like you said, if like once in a while you have a couple of glasses of wine, like th- that, and then also like up until 11 PM, like if we're on a screen, if we're on a laptop, we're on a phone, we're watching TV, it's just like getting the brain going. So what I would say is because you do get up early, like for me, I haven't seen 11 p.m. unless my son was up with a fever in like years. So like, it's just going to be a matter of like, okay, between, and this isn't like a, this isn't like a, you know, a good or bad thing. It's like, for me, it's always like, okay, between the hours of like 8 p.m. and 11 p.m., is there anything that I'm doing that is like worth missing sleep over? And for me, there's like, like very few things that like I'm like oh I need to watch I'm never going to be like I need to watch more tv before I go to bed or I need to like scroll on my phone more like I just it's not worth getting worse sleep for that so I would just uh, yeah so for you like that's probably an easy fix it's going to be make sure you're hitting your calories and protein maybe uh like I said moderate any like wine or something like that down to like one or two nights a week And then I would say, have that start having a better bedtime routine. So like, okay, I, I want to be in bed at 9 PM. So then raise around 8 PM. I'm going to go like, okay, shut down work for the day. uh, Start unwinding, have a bedtime snack. And I know that sounds like I'm the most boring human being in the world, but like (laughs) the the payoff is that you feel so much better every single day that it's just so worth it. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thank you for asking the question. Anyone else have any questions? All right. Well, guys, I genuinely, genuinely appreciate everyone being on here. And and those of you who did ask questions or sent them in or, or Mary Lou who like hopped on always appreciate that. I never take anything like this for granted. The fact that you guys are on this call or doing this challenge or coming to me for advice means so much. Thank you so much. If anything does pop up and you want to let me know, feel free to. And it's 745. So I'm going to start my bedtime routine because my goal is to be in bed in the next 60 minutes. (laughs) So I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you so much.